grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. worship as we gather together as stewards of faith, passing it on, and not only celebrating the gift of faith that God has given us, but proclaiming that saving faith with everyone we meet. Our first lesson for this Stewardship Sunday, and also the second Sunday in Lent, is found recorded in the first Kings chapter 8, beginning at the 54th verse. When Solomon finished offering all these prayers and pleas for mercy to the Lord, he got up from the altar of the Lord, where he had been kneeling with his hands spread out toward heaven. Then he stood and blessed the whole congregation of Israel with a loud voice. Blessed be the Lord, who has given rest to his people Israel, just as he said he would. Not one word has failed from all your good words, which he spoke through Moses, his servant. May the Lord our God be with us, just as he was with our fathers. May he never leave us or abandon us. May he turn our hearts to him, to walk in all his ways, and to listen to his commands, regulations, and ordinances, which he commanded to our fathers. May these words, which I have prayed before the Lord, be near the Lord our God day and night, so that he provides justice for his servant and for his people Israel forever, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God. There is no other. May our hearts be fully committed to the Lord our God in order to walk in his regulations and to keep his commands just as is the case today. Then the king and all Israel with him offered sacrifices before the Lord. Solomon sacrificed fellowship offerings to the Lord, 22,000 cattle and 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the people of Israel dedicated the house of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson is also the basis for our sermon taken from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning at verse 2. We always give thanks to God for all of you as we make mention of you in our prayers, because we constantly remember before God our Father your work produced by faith, your labor produced by love, and your patient endurance produced by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Dear friends, loved by God, we know that God has chosen you because our gospel did not come to you with mere words, but with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You yourselves know very well what kind of people we prove to be for your sake. While we were with you, you also became imitators of us and of the Lord when you welcomed the word during a time of great affliction with the joy from the Holy Spirit, so that you became a model for all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. 
Indeed, the word of the Lord has resounded from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith in God has become known. As a result, we do not need to say anything, because they themselves informed us about what kind of reception we received from you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. They also report how you patiently wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, the one who is going to rescue us from the coming wrath. This is the word of the Lord. We read from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, beginning at the 16th verse. Jesus said to him, A certain man made a great banquet and invited many people. When it was time for the banquet, he sent out his servants to tell them who were invited. Come, because everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one told him, I bought a field, and I need to go and see it. I ask you to excuse me. Another one said, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to try them out. I ask you to excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, and so I am unable to attend. The servant arrived and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house was angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in here the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. The servant said, Master, what you command has been done, and there is still room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and urge them to come in so that my house may be filled. This is the gospel. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning at verse 2. I will read these words once more. And the words open with this word, we, and it's referring to Paul, Silas, and Timothy. These are the authors of the letter. We always give thanks to God for all of you. We make mention of you in our prayers because we constantly remember before God, our Father, your work produced by faith, your labor produced by love, and your patient endurance produced by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Dear brothers loved by God, we know that God has chosen you. Because our gospel did not come to you with mere words, but with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You yourselves know very well what kind of people we proved to be for your sake. While we were with you, you also became imitators of us and of the Lord when you welcomed the word during a time of great affliction with the joy from the Holy Spirit so that you became a model for all the believers of Macedonia and Achaia. Indeed, the word of the Lord has resounded from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith in God has become known. As a result, we do not need to say anything, because they themselves inform us about what kind of reception we received from you and how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. 
They also report how you patiently wait for his son from heaven when he raised, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who the one who is going to rescue us from the coming wrath. This is the word of the Lord. Your brothers and sisters in Christ, has it ever happened to you that you had someone came up and, and you realized that by the way they were talking, they were offering you a rather nice compliment. They were telling you on how they really appreciate you and maybe your strengths and, and pointing out on how dedicated and, and you seem to be a real hard worker. And then all of a sudden, everything switches. And you hear that dreaded word, but you don't do this right, you don't do that right, you got to work harder at this, and you fail at that. And so you begin to realize that the compliment is not a compliment at all. In fact, the person complimented you and then turns around and just rips you apart. But they can justify it because they did compliment you but it still doesn't make it right. Even St. Paul to the Ephesians brings out, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, only what is useful for building others up. And instead of always tearing one another apart. When we come to this letter of 1 Thessalonians, it is interesting that the Apostle Paul doesn't use the word but. He doesn't compliment and then turns around and tears them all apart. No, he compliments. And in fact, he compliments in the right way. His complimenting comes because he's very worried about this congregation. This is a congregation in Macedonia. And if you recall, it was the Holy Spirit who called Paul and along with Silas and Timothy to go into Macedonia. The first city they come to is actually Philippi. And after ministering in Philippi, they're going to be heading down one of the major highways in Rome. And right off that highway, just the southwest of Philippi, is Thessalonica. The Apostle Paul begins to preach along with his co-workers and the people, many people welcome him. In fact, it has been an exciting ministry so far. It's only been a few days. But the sad truth is, also coming down the main highway were Paul's opposition. It was like they were following him from town to town. And when they came up, when they came in, they disrupted the ministry and, and they came with all kinds of accusations and, and they got people to take their sides and turning against Paul and especially Paul and Silas. Even in Philippi, Paul and Silas were thrown in jail and it looked like it was going to happen again. But this time the believers snuck them out of the city before they could even be captured. Paul will make his way to Berea, which is just south of Thessalonica, and eventually he'll be ministering on the south end of Greece um, over by Athens and Corinth. There, Greece is actually made up of two provinces. The southern part is Macedonia, the north, or no, the southern part is Achaia, and the northern part is Macedonia. In Athens, 
Paul decides that he's going to send this young pastor in training, Timothy, to actually go back to Thessalonica to find out how they were doing because he knew the opposition was vicious. He knew that they were being terribly persecuted. And when Timothy finally went and came back, he reported with great joy all the wonderful things that were happening in Thessalonica, this new found church. This prompted Paul to write this letter. And there is arguments among scholars. Is, is, is it this letter or is it the letter to the Galatians that was Paul's first letter? But he wrote this one early in his ministry. And he opens with a huge compliment. And as I said earlier, he compliments them in the right way by giving thanks to God and all that God had done for them. We always give thanks to God for all of you as we make mention to you in our prayers. As a faithful minister, he's praying for his congregation. And what does he remember about them? He remembers how God dearly blessed them and that blessing showed in their attitude and as he points out here, in your work. This was an active work. These were not people who were being lazy and indifferent and simply sitting on their hands. They were actively working, carrying out the Great Commission to go make disciples of all nations and to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. And along with that work, we have labor. And literally, the word means hard work, especially labor in the face of opposition. There were people undermining that ministry, but that did not discourage them. That did not stop them. And we know it didn't stop them because we hear that they also had patient endurance. They were not quitters. They didn't let go. They continued to work. They continued to proclaim. And they didn't allow anything to stop them. Now this work, this labor, and this patient endurance this didn't come because the, these people were so great and wonderful. This is work, as Paul pointed out. It came from God. This is work produced by faith. That's a gift of God. Faith that is like that childlike faith, that simple trust and confidence. That faith in their Lord Jesus Christ, realizing all he has done for them, is what prompted them to be faithful in their work. And it wasn't just faith. It says their labor was produced by love. And this is love that isn't just friendship love. This is that agape love, that godly love, that love that sees a problem and does something about it, that love that never fails, that love that's unconditional. That, that love seen in the cross of Jesus Christ who gave his life for the sins of the world. I always, again, describe this love as it's 100% giving, 0% taking, because there's nothing we can give to the Lord to earn his favor. It is out of love he has blessed us and motivated by that love, we love. 
And then, this is endurance produced by hope. Not hope that is wishful thinking. This is hope that's guaranteed. This is hope that has a solid rock. And Jesus is that solid rock. He even says here, hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. But those words in our Lord Jesus Christ can certainly be included with the word faith and love. That's what faith and love and hope all cling to. In a nutshell, it's the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus and all he has done for us in paying for our sins and winning for us the forgiveness of sins and the victory and the hope of everlasting life in heaven. It is the gospel that motivated them to work produced by faith, labor produced by love, and patient endurance produced by hope. And notice how he describes this gospel further. He includes the word loved by God. He includes the words you were chosen by God. You, you didn't choose him. He chose you. In fact, he said they, he didn't come with the gospel and gave it to them as mere words and and. By the way, there were all kinds of philosophers at that time that were going from towns to towns and villages to villages, and these philosophers would give their words and philosophies, and people would actually pay them for it. Paul made sure to not take a dime from them so that they would think that they had to pay for this glorious message. So he didn't come to them with mere words, like one philosopher among many. He came to them with the gospel, which came with power. Even Paul wrote to the Romans that I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. And that word power is the same word as here. It is the Greek word where we get our English word dynamite from. But unlike dynamite that can blow things or throw things great distances, this dynamite can do what no other dynamite can do. It moves a heart that has been crushed by guilt and sin and hopelessness. Because in Christ, we have faith and love and hope. And in Christ alone. This is the gospel that comes with the Holy Spirit. For the Holy Spirit works through the gospel. Even Jesus said to his disciples on the night he would be betrayed and when he instituted the Lord's Supper, he would tell his disciples how the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, is going to be sent. And he describes the Holy Spirit as the one who testifies of me. And the Holy Spirit lives within our hearts, always through the gospel, not out of thin air, but always through the gospel, testifying of Christ. And in so doing, he calls us to faith and keeps us in that one true faith. And another thing the Holy Spirit does, he causes deep conviction. Conviction is great certainty. And that's why I describe hope as not wishful thinking, but hope that's guaranteed hope we can be certain of. Because 
It's based on a fact. And the fact is, Jesus paid for the sins of the world, the Son of God and Son of Man. When we go back to these words, your work produced by faith, your labor produced by love, your patient endurance produced by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, do you realize what that's the definition of? Stewardship. This is what it means to be a steward. Stewardship is an old word. We, we really use the word man, management. And God has called us to be managers. Look at all the wonderful gifts he has given us, especially our time, talents, abilities, even our possessions, and, and even our very lips to proclaim his holy name. These are all blessings from the Lord that God has given us to manage. And, and the biggest threat when it comes to management is, is, number one, not knowing how to manage it. We use all of our gifts, and we especially use them together because these gifts complement one another. We don't all have the same gifts. We don't all have the same amount of gifts, but we have at least one gift. So we use it, and we even use it together as we carry out that holy command to not only know his holy name, and to trust in him above all things, but to proclaim that name to the ends of the earth. The biggest threat to stewardship is also laziness, indifference, not using it to God's glory, being selfish with the gifts, because these are my gifts and I can do it whatever I want. That's not what the Holy Scripture teaches, and that is not who we are. In Christ Jesus our Lord. We are stewards. Stewards of the faith. And as stewards of the faith. We are also models. Examples. Paul writes this. You also became imitators of us and of the Lord. When you welcomed the word during a time of great affliction. With joy from the Holy Spirit. One thing we don't always like to do is, is speak of Jesus as an example. Because the temptation is always, when you speak Jesus as an example, then you might be thinking that, well, wait a minute, if I follow his example, and if I do what he did, then I could earn heaven too. But as a sinful human being, I can't do that. Remember what Paul wrote to the Romans. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No, Jesus is our Savior. It's only through faith in him that we are truly saved. But let's not kid ourselves. This very Savior was perfect and holy and without sin. He is certainly an example. And as an example to the Apostle Paul, Paul lived his life as an example for others and especially for these dear Christians in Thessalonica. And being motivated with a believing heart, they became examples through not just out their province, but throughout entire Greece. Paul goes on to say, and it didn't stop there, like the dropping of a, of a stone in water, it rippled out, and, and, and 
their example and their love and dedication to the Lord and, and out of love living for the Lord in the face of great persecution and affliction was seen by all believers throughout the world. In fact, it was such a wonderful example to others that the Apostle Paul even points out that people were telling us how we, how we were received. Paul knew how he was received. He was the one that went to Thessalonica. But people were so excited to tell them what was going on in Thessalonica. They were telling Paul what he received. It's a very unique way of putting it. And what stood out about these people? It says here, They turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Oh, all of Greece had their false gods. And then let's not forget the Roman gods. And then let's not overlook even the emperor worship. That's a false god. And don't overlook all the other false gods that people made with their hands and little statues that people were praying to, even though they created it. And they're praying to the very thing they created, that now this is the, the thing that created me. It's, it's just pure folly and silliness. They turned away from those false gods. And who did they turn to? They turned to the living and true God. Two things that makes God different from all other false gods. He is true. He's not false. And second of all, he's living. He's not dead. He is the creator, and he created everything, including ourselves. And not only did they worship the one true God, but they waited in their service, knowing that this was only temporary where they were living. Heaven is their home. And they waited. They waited for the coming of the Lord, not his first coming, because he already came. He already paid for the sins. No, they're waiting for his second coming. Waiting for the very one who died and rose again, which is proof that sin is paid for. And the very one who sent it into heaven, saying that he will intercede for us in our behalf with our prayers. And also that he will come and take us to be with him in his father's mansion. But until then, we wait, not being lazy, not being indifferent, but working and serving, and serving the very one whom we can't live without. As I read these words, I wonder to myself, what do people think of us? Not just as individuals, but what do people think of us as a congregation? What do people think of us like across the street or in this city? What do people think of us across this country or even in this world? We may think that we're small, but what do people think of us? The truth is, our ministry is not based on trying to make sure that people think good things of us. No, our ministry is to serve the Lord. And that naturally, in serving the Lord and waiting for his return, is an example to others. Not because we're so wonderful and great, 
because we have a God who's so wonderful and great. Give thanks to him and know who you really are. As believers in Christ, you are stewards, stewards of faith. So pass it on. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemev l-u-t-h-e-r-a-n dot o-r-g. May God bless you today and every day.